This episode is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. My name is Kenny Buller, and as a host of Second Floor Podcast, we are extremely proud to say that we are partners and affiliated with Alberta Podcast Network. Enjoy the episode. What's going on, Second Floor family? Did you know that you have a superpower? No, we're not talking about flying or reading minds, although those would be pretty cool to have. You have the ability to help young people see their own superpowers. Boys and girls clubs and big brothers, big sisters of Edmonton and area, also called BGC Bigs, needs you now. Consider sharing your time with a young person. They want to hear your stories. Over the past year, BGC Bigs heard from young people that having a mentor means they are less likely to have anxiety, feel isolated, or struggle with their mental health. But there are over 600 young people waiting for a mentor in their lives today. Explore how you can get involved and watch our community change one life at a time. There is currently a need for mentors in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or Big Siblings program in school for our Youth in Care program, and for the New Prisons program, supporting two SLGBTQ young people. There are also a need for virtual tutors who can support young people as they transition back to school and are dealing with the learning loss over the past two years. Join BGC Bigs for a virtual coffee or apply now at bgcbigs.ca or Google BGC Bigs Edmonton. Your priority, their future. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're rocking and rolling with the one and only Sergeant Major Seb once again coming on our show. Of course, I mess it up all over again. <laughs> You're like, please. I'm just retired. That's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just love it because I go off of what I see on your nickname on the bottom. Yeah, man. Zoom in. But um, no, on the real, man, we are so happy to have you on the show again. We had uh, Sergeant Seb on our show here just last season talking about, you know, how to find um, the perfect martial arts studio for you if you're interested in martial arts, uh, talking about your own opinions around law enforcement, as well as, you know, talking about your, um, you know, story associated with getting so much hands-on experience Um, in law enforcement to the point where you want to be able to provide consultancy for people interested in it. So, you know, when we flash forward now months later, uh, unfortunately, you know, you did experience a very tragic um, surgical operation that then led um, to just this, this roller coaster of events. And I know that's going to be the main topic of discussion with you today um, there, Sebastian. So I just would like for you to First of all, share with our audience exactly, you know, what happened um, that led you to that. And then I do have, you know, several questions men ask you on, you know, what kept you so mentally resilient throughout that experience? You know, for for those of you who don't know, um, Sebastian actually ended up um, becoming very close to experiencing uh, death and being very close multiple times to actually having um, to live his life without a leg. So, um, you know, that's just a lot of what I saw from social media, man. And I I appreciate you being being so open about that. I find not only through what you went through physically, man, but, you know, what you went through mentally as well, just recognizing that you had 
as many on days as you had off days. And um, I think no one deserves to go through what you did. And the fact that you're here today sharing your story and being on multiple different podcast platforms just shows that, you know, you're someone who speaks from the heart. And I think anyone else would just want to, you know, stay in, in the dark, for, so to speak, and, and, and just go through it alone. But um, why don't you just start off, man, by just sharing with us, you know, um, if we work a little backwards, how you're feeling today, where your pain's at, and then from there, sharing your story on how that happened. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, first of all, thank you for having me back. And hopefully this time I don't say anything that's so controversial that YouTube takes us down. Yeah, man. I appreciate you bringing that up again. That that sucked. That was a great podcast. If I, you know, if I say so myself, and we really got boned on that. <laughs> we did, man. And I, but anyways, you know the world we yeah. live in, right? It is what it is. You you know, you say something that uh, people don't agree with and you get canceled and it's just a reality. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, as far as how I'm feeling right now, um, I would say uh, I look a lot better than I feel if I'm if I'm being 100 percent honest, which I always am. Um, the leg is giving me some serious issues uh, in terms of not only the pain on the leg itself, but uh, ancillary issues. So I will have um, something called, what is it called now? Peripheral neuralgia, which is a result of um, neurological issues once the neurological, are you there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Sorry, you looked frozen as hell. I'm just shook. I'm just shook hearing this. <laughs> I'm like, you look frozen. Yeah. Uh, sorry, man. I just came back from Yukon, you know? So I think everybody's frozen as yeah, I was. Yeah, no, exactly. Because of the weather, right? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, uh, peripheral neuralgia is basically if there is neurological damage that was sustained during an injury, um, your your neurological system is all off and it's sending signals here, there and everywhere. So I'm consistently itchy everywhere and like on my head and on my, it just never stops. And I have constant chills. So it's chills everywhere, you know, like imagine having somebody kind of scratching their nails on your back very gently, just barely touching the surface and what this radiates the, you know, the shivers through your body and that it's kind of how I feel all the time. Now, the problem with that is, um, evidently I, I can't stay warm. I'm always cold. Like it's, it's really, um, you know, not, not to make it worse than it is, but it's really debilitating in terms of it's, it's almost like borderline feeling good, but feeling unwell all the time. Right. So that's one of the ancillary issues that I have. There's other issues. Like I have some muscular torsion, which one side of my leg is actually pulling, you know, the other side, all the skin and all the, the tissues, because there's no real muscle mass on the right side of my calf to maintain balance. Right. So I have a, you know, a lot of things going on, uh, as far as, um, what we were waiting on, which was for my tibial nerve to return, uh, to life. That's seemed to be the case to the point where I blow on my leg and it's hurting right so so the nerve is definitely back whether or not it's a good it's a good thing in this specific context remains to be seen so that's how i feel right now yeah that's man <laughs> at, that's at the moment terrible to hear man and just to know that like you're here smiling and able to still manage through that pain to some degree which i know we'll talk about just 
shows a lot about your character. And, and, and I recognize that like, man, no one deserves to feel that way. You know, it's just crazy to see how connected the body is with one another at all fronts. Where like, again, even I personally wouldn't have even realized that everywhere else in your body is being affected by this, you know, and man, like that's, that's why I like froze. Cause when you were telling me that I was like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Go through. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty insane. The amount of interconnectivity there is between the various parts of the body. And we're talking about like all kinds of subsystems as well, like the limbic system and the neurological system and the muscular and, you know, everything is just kind of interconnected and, um, sometimes you'll experience certain things and that's why, you know, it's, it's a cautionary tale not to start jumping on Google and try Googling your own symptoms and, 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 and try to figure out exactly what you have, because I think it just scares people with like the well, false evidence that's on there. You can yeah, find first, first of all, you'll, you'll, you'll be dead in, in two weeks, you know, as far as uh, Google is concerned, if you look at anything, but also you're going to create so much stress within yourself that you actually can create symptoms that are going to be you know, co uh, corroborate, corroborating whatever, you know, disease or illness you think you have. So it's a very dangerous and slippery slope to go down. There is so many complexities with, you know, the context of what a, an injury or a feeling or an illness um, kind of comes to comes to be that you really, really need experts looking at this going, okay. And sometimes you need multiple experts because it's a process yeah, of elimination right? Opinion, right when you get that many different experts who are dealing with you i i can't imagine just how much trust you need to have mm -hmm. in them but i would i agree with you we rather trust the people who dedicated their lives and have experienced seeing this possibly you know more than once to be able to tell you how to handle it is what you're going through though that unique sebastian that like depending on if it's been seen before by other doctors and specialists and how they treated it before, maybe this can give you an opportunity to share with exactly for our listeners, you know, like what exactly happened with this to begin in the first place. For sure. So one of the things I will say is just go back to one, one of the things that you said, and I, I came to realize over the course of since August 25th, and this initially um, occurred that you, you need to trust the experts, but you need to keep an eye and look out for yourself because you are going to catch a whole bunch of issues along the way. Um, and you are going to be told certain things that may or may not resonate with you or may or may not be contextually. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you got to realize that when assessments are made in in the medical field oftentimes there is a baseline and that baseline is what a normal human being would experience or what a person with this level of activity like a, a moderate level of activity or anything so if you have if you're outside the parameters and you're in outliers there's a lot of those things that don't even apply to you but in you know in the spirit of evidently uh liability and 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 false hope and all those things you're kind of being given the, the worst case scenario or the scenario that's the most plausible based on how many people have had this and how they generally respond but that's Just not you end always up feeling like a statistic though and i find that must be even tougher to recognize where it's like you go from what you just said we're like hey either the worst possible thing's gonna happen or hey there's hope for you to actually be able to get better one day i can't mm -hmm. fucking imagine that Mm -hmm. 
though um, I guess we should probably talk about what actually happened. So uh, yeah. on, on, on August 25th, I went to Toronto to see a specialist um, to get a like a, a minor surgery done on my left leg. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily get into the details of this. It's 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 kind of unimportant. I mean, it was very minor. It was um, the person that did it did over four hundred, and um, and it's it's the risk in the totality of the circumstances just just isn't there. Like it, I look back, and it still isn't there. By over four hundred. Sorry, you mind just surgery surgery of that kind. Okay. Yeah. So. I went home that day and I went to a, an Airbnb in Toronto. I stayed with some amazing people that um, rented me a place. And anyway, they would they, they ended up uh, getting more than what they bargained for. But uh, anyways, so I ended up going back there and I think falling a little bit victim to my my ability to kind of suck up the pain. I was what what I felt was a, a, a normal amount of pain actually wasn't. I wasn't a lot more pain than I should have been based oh on the surgery that I had. And um, and so at some point it became quite apparent when my left calf was you know three four times the size the original size, and um, and 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 now there was a lot of pressure and a lot of pain and a lot of neurological issues that something was majorly wrong. And so I suspected uh, compression compartment sy syndrome rather um, where, you know, this is a syndrome where basically your muscle overgrows or swells to the point where it exceeds the capacity of the fascia to hold it in. And then it blocks the, the, uh, blood vessels as well as the nerves and everything, you know, kind of, uh, cuts cuts off the blood supply basically essentially is what happened so for me uh, being in, in compression for about 26 hours because that's about how long i was in compression for um was enough to kill the majority of my tissue inside of my left leg so between august 25th and october 1st 2021 i i had nine surgeries Seven of those surgeries serve the purpose of removing the dead tissue and the dead muscles. So essentially, my left leg is sans calf. Not that I had much before, but but it's uh, it's now it's now completely completely removed, or at, at the very least, ninety percent removed. And um, and so yeah, so uh, the secondary issue, as I as I mentioned earlier, was so, sorry to cut you off. Ninety percent yeah. removed of your calf, and it's that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I know, right? So um makes them some great pool parties. But um basically what basically what happens after that is once the debridement are conducted and the, the dead tissue is removed over the course of seven surgeries, now we have to wait for neurological to return to life if there is such a thing in your context. And, uh, and so for me, they give it about three months, which was October 1st to January. And, uh, and so January 13 is when I go to see the doctor again and see if my nerve is regenerated, well, not regenerated, but um, sort of kickstarted. And I've, I have been doing a lot of recovery things and I know that the nerve is alive. Um, I know that it's alive because it's super, super sensitive. It's hypersensitive. So whether or not that's a good thing remains to be seen. And it will be for somebody with um, 
you know, more <laughs> medical knowledge than I do, certainly to make that determination. But um, yeah, and then and then we still have a decision to make. It, what does this look like if we launch into, so say a decision was made to launch into some reconstructive surgery, I'd be looking at probably seven, eight, maybe nine. I mean, I'd be looking at reconstructive surgeries for the next two to three years, who knows? And with that, there's no guaranteed functionality, right? So, um, so whether or not I want to launch in that or let's go the amputation route where um, three months, four months, five months, you're, you're kind of like working out the prosthetic issues. And yeah, there's some ancillary issues with amputations as well. Uh, but it's which one is the lesser of the two evil and what kind of functionality are you getting? So, so stay tuned. Um, it, it'll either stay attached to my body or be removed from my body, but either way, uh, something is going to move forward. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Nine surgeries and counting compartment syndrome, losing already 90% yeah. of the soft tissues in your calf Not and so way. much in between, man. That all was going on while fighting through the pain, while managing where the next steps of your life will go and still doing your best to stay present and alive, man. I mean, first and foremost, you're my fucking hero. Like, that's crazy, man. For you to be here today and still tell the tale and, and still persevere, like, let's acknowledge that. Um, the one, like, first and foremost, what I'm curious about is, do they do they recommend what direction you should go as far as like, you know, you brought up a good point where it's like the lesser of two evils. You're absolutely right. Both are going to come with some major repercussions and some major change in behavior and how you're going to move and operate your body and your mind. Um, did, did they give a recommendation or do they, when I say they, doctor specialists operating with you, do they kind of suggest what you should do or let leave it up to you? No, it's definitely not left up to me. And, and I don't think it should. Evidently, I'm not an expert in the field, but I think it has to be a cooperative approach to problem solving as many things need to be. Um, so they have their course of action that makes sense from a medical perspective. And they also have room for some flexibility where, uh, depending of, you know, my thoughts and my concerns and everything, then they can weigh it all in one, in a balance and, 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 and make a, make a call, which was very important to me that this be a cooperative approach to problem solving and not somebody telling me what I was going to do. Because I tell you, I tell you what the feeling has been, and I could be totally off, but I don't think I am because I spent a lifetime reading people and having the conversation. So, um, it, you know, one of the things that was really apparent to me is that for the medical community and for the doctors that were in charge of doing the surgeries and, and, and such on my leg, having the leg attached to my body is a major win. And um, notwithstanding the functionality piece, you know, they, they also are, you know, um, just satisfied with the fact that I can walk and I can, and, and when I say walk, I, I'm, I'm, I'm using a cane and I can't use no cane, but if I go without my cane, I generally 
hurting the next day or something. So I use the cane. So it takes a little bit of pressure off the leg. And it's amazing that you can walk right now, man. I mean, that's, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So, so anyway, one of the issues, one of the issues is, um, having the leg attached to my body means nothing to me in terms of like, what can I do with it? Is, is, is this an anchor or is this a, um, you know, is, 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 is this something that I can actually do something with something that I can go, I, you know, hiking in Iceland or, or, or running or doing some sprints or whatever. And all of this right now is on a back burner. And, you know, I've even been told like, look, the likelihood of you sprinting ever again are very, is very slim. Well, if you look at special Olympics or all kinds of adaptive athletes that have incredible success with you know their blades and running and sprinting and there's the technology is there it's a it, it would be a below the knee amputation which is a lot better than mid thighs um and and anyway like i remain cautiously optimistic for me it's like prepare for the worst and if it doesn't happen it's even better um but i remain cautiously optimistic there is there is a ton of movement in there that I cannot explain. So we'll have to have somebody else tell me. And if somebody says to me, look, we launched in a series of reconstructive surgery and you're likely to have 70% of your functionality, then I'm not, I'm not lobbying to get it amputated. If that makes any sense. So it's not, it's not, it's not groundless and it's not baseless, right? There's, there's, there's some, some actual thought process behind that as far, as far as I'm, uh, as I'm concerned. It's, it's, not an, not emo, it's not an emotional uh, response, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I mean, that's the thing is like, that's what makes you who you are, right? Is you're able to detach the, um, let's say, uh, the emotions that one would carry with them when they're running through possibly so much in their head leading to the worry of where their future is heading. You know what I mean? Like, you are such an active individual. You're a jujitsu black belt. You, you know, have lived a full career in the act of needing to utilize your body to do the work and the hobbies that you do. So, I mean, first and foremost, man, like for our listeners out there who have loved ones or who are themselves going through or have or about to endure something similar you have what are some like tips, man, or strategies, or even like what you could share that you've went through that can help people stay mentally stronger during moments like this? Because yeah, I mean, already naturally the future is so unknown to people, but when people are in this much pain or when they're going through a mental or physical reconstruction and they don't know what the result's going to be, I would love for them to aspire to be more like you are, you know? And I just want to hear like, what that constant battle looks like even t- to this day and like how you manage your, um, your mental health right now. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I would lie if I stood here and said, Oh, it's, it, it was a breeze. Cause it certainly wasn't a breeze. And when I was in Toronto bedridden for 28 days on heavy pain medication with an incredible amount of pain and, um, you know, by myself essentially, cause that's, that's what happened. I was there for, for a month and yeah, I had people visiting, but 90% of the time I was on my own. Um, and I wanted it that way, but, um, you know, there was some, there was some really hard time and that's the reason why I wanted to be alone so that I can really focus on, on 
what I needed to do myself to make things better, not try to have a conversation with somebody else and like somebody else asking me how things are going and all these other things. It was like, this is, this is a battle between you. Just imagine, you know, you're playing video game and you get to the last final boss after doing the entire game. And now they give you a big sword and they go get in that room. And you're like, Oh, I want to bring my friends with me. It's like, no man, like I'm getting in there, you know, like, so it, it was, it, it was kind of a, and that's just a personal preference. That's not to say that this is the right strategy for whoever goes next. Right. Well, I can't imagine even like the energy you needed to contain or, or like utilize to talk to people and thank them. And, you know, like be, be of like having the utmost gratitude towards them, but then like, you really prefer and need rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I needed to focus on me, uh, which sometimes I have a hard time doing. So I, I, I just did what I had to do. But uh, to answer your question, man, like there is no miracle pill, right? There just, there just isn't. I was fortunate enough in, well, fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, in my life to have been faced with severe adversity numerous time over since I was, you know, in the womb. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. That's actually the case. And we discussed that on the last podcast, I think. But, uh, and so for me, you know, uh, it's just about w- w- where in, in my sphere of influence does this fall into? Do I have direct influence over what's going on right now and what's happening to me? Do I have some influence over what's going on or do I have none? Because if I have none and I'm investing emotionally as if I was in control of this situation and and while we're in my body and my mind and my emotional self is in a tailspin, um, it's just making things worse. So what what I would qualify, what I would say happened with me initially is the first day, two days, three days, I just let myself have that time to, to be demoralized, to have, to be, you know, feeling some self-pity and to be thinking like, oh, you know, like, how am I going to run? How am I going to do jujitsu and all these other things? And I've mentioned this on, on other podcasts before, but that's one of the strategy that I employ to self-rescue. It's allow yourself for me allow myself to live the emotions and then we get to work. Okay. So grieve, we, allow yourself to grieve and go through exa- how much exactly. sucks. I, I agreed. And, and you know what? People are going to argue and say, yeah, but it takes longer to grieve and whatever. Everybody's different, right? So I'm not going to stand here and say, this is going to work for you. But for me, it's been extremely successful. I've had extreme success with this where I will allow myself a day or two to be completely miserable and I won't be trying to hide it or I won't be trying to make it look like I'm great and all these other things. And then, and then right after that, it's going to work. And when I went to work, it's like, okay, everything that happened behind that led to this is behind me. There is nothing I can do to affect that. And there's nothing I can do to affect the long range outcome. So I'm going to focus on the now. And just as you negotiate anything that's extremely difficult in life, you're doing one step at the time. That's present. You're doing everything you can to stay present. And it's count, it's count one small bits, right? Yeah, you cut, you you cut a gargantuan gargantuan task into smart uh, small bits, just as you would eat an elephant, as as they say. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much mm-hmm. in front of you, right? Totally. And so that was that, but there was also a therapeutic side of this where I was, I knew that the the collective could benefit from. The journey I was going through. And I decided, I mean, I self-benefited from those videos in that it allowed me to go through my um 
recovery without having to like say text nine you know 900 people a day saying this is where i'm at and all this stuff so it actually helped that i would centralize it to my say my instagram and have have the you know the flow of what was going on so then all these people would actually watch it and then they would pass it on to others and then i wouldn't have to answer so many questions and that's how i was able to focus to focus on me so that was very very helpful um I think that that is another way of looking at you documenting the journey. Like if anyone, of course, listening to this really wants to go and see and feel like the, the excruciating amount of detail that you put into what you were going through, then it's there on Instagram. I'm sure you still have those posts and that's, I don't know if the very act of that is something that you even suggest to that therapeutic process where, you know, even you can go back and really see and feel what your mental state was like. But I just think the very act of you sharing that helps people really understand that you aren't acting and feeling the way you are today because what you went through is something that this is what I'm trying to say is like a lot of people will almost downplay what you went through. Like they'll look at you now and be like, Oh, look at that. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're all healed. And you're like, well, no, I mean, what you see is not what I'm going through. And I think that's why this is such a big focus on mental health is like, you can't see the pain and suffering you went through, but then when people can look back and see and feel what you went through to the post, mm-hmm. they'll have a more deeper respect of like what one goes through after such a tragic accident. And I still, man, I still battle through seeing that through my father where like he went in a motorcycle accident at the age of 22, still to this day, he can't sprint. He, you know, he walks, but he's on a limp, but his ankle's paralyzed. And I know he lives and fights through that mentally and physically every day. But I mean, why this is such a touchy subject for someone like me is you choose to communicate and voice it up to the world, or at least to someone, you know, unfortunately, like my dad to this day, like I'll try and get that information out of him. But dad, if you ever want to talk about it, but you know, he chooses to keep that in his own thoughts, but you could see for someone where when so many years pass on, if a tragic incident or accident has happened to them, I'm glad that you're voicing out that like through that therapeutic process, it actually helps to put it out there, whether it's to a really close friend, social media, anything. It's the fact that it's out of your system. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you resonate with that. Yeah, I do. I, um, I have some very um, specific thoughts on, on, on a lot of this stuff. Um, I'm not a very private person. I I, I can be. I'm not. Um, but there's certain aspect that certainly I, I you know I am. But I think beyond that, um, it allowed me to navigate the tumultuous waters of policing over the course of 20 years in a lot of the things that I have seen and done. And for me, there was never a real hiding what was going on so if you know if i if i saw if i if i came upon something atrocious during the day i generally didn't uh lock myself up and stew and keep it in and and oh i don't want to cause stress to my family i don't want to cause stress to the public i don't want to cause stress to my friends or whatever it was like it was more about i i'm not going to just spew my guts at the the dinner table during a you know a, a friend's party to just mess up the mood but certainly friends are there for a reason the people that you should rely upon that can rely on you or need you to be healthy 
And one of the best way to do that is to have the conversations. And even if they're difficult conversations for them to say, God, that's crazy. You know, like, um, so it's not just me, you know, I I've just shared this and, and we as friends and as partners and as spouses, we're, we're kind of sharing the burden of some of the, you know, and, and it's an interesting, it's, it's a very interesting prospect I had when I was uh, on the emergency response team, I had a variety of different personalities there. And, and some, some guys had this thing where if they had a spouse that was very anxious, they often wouldn't say anything to them ever. So they, it wasn't very popular to have like the, the talks about, you know, the hostage taking and the armed and barricaded we were on and, and the infiltration through the head, you know, they would go home and not talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and so what happened because they realized that it caused stress to their better, their, their, their spouse. And, uh, and this might very well be the case, but one has to ask themselves like, what then happens if something happens to you and you've been on a, you've been on a team for say 10 years and now something happens and the person that you are with has been kept in the dark about the operations you've been engaged in for 10 years and has no clue. And I mean, you could say, well, you can just Google it. I mean, it's quite, you know, but some people just chooses, choose not to do this. They choose not to see it. They choose not to. And so now you are, there could be, there very likely will be resentment, you know, when it comes to, I wish I had known what he was doing. I wish those types of things. So for me, if you're in the first responder world and you tend to be very, very quiet and introspective, it can blow up on you. It can blow up on you real, real, real quick. Not that speaking to everybody isn't going to blow up on you. It doesn't make it perfect, but it's certainly a venting mechanism. And, and, and you also, by sharing the load, you can get different perspective. When you get different perspective, you, you start changing the angle on the way you're looking at your reality. And I say your reality because it is your reality. If you're a first responder right now, you're dealing 100% of the time with 1% of what's going on. You know, So for you, that 100% is actually 100% of your reality, but it's only 1% of the reality of everybody else. That's such a good point. I remember you sharing this on the last episode very, very vividly when you mentioned how your 1%, sorry, your family's 1% when you go back home is your 99% of what you see, you know, and, and you're having to face that every single day. And I remember you were just educating us on what like law enforcement sees on a day-to-day basis. So it, it allowed us to have a just deeper understanding of just seeing where you guys are at and, 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 and the, the level of anxiety that that sometimes comes with someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then, and then you go into, I've had people ask me about, you know, would you recommend uh, people go and get the help they need and all this stuff? It's, that's a no brainer. That is a no brainer. You know, it, it, the way I kind of saw my own intervention with, within myself when I was in Toronto was, I call that self-rescue because right now, right here, right now, I cannot tap anybody on the shoulder to be here with me. Like I just can't, it wasn't feasible. It wasn't, it wasn't feasible medically. It wasn't feasible with the COVID. It wasn't feasible because I didn't want to talk. And I also, you know, I, I was just in so much pain and everything. So it just wasn't feasible. So I like the concept of self-rescue for a temporary period. 
have the ability to tap into your own subsystem and look at the world and, and paint a different picture of the world. So for me, one of the things that I always do is perspective. Perspective has to be taken where people have it worse than you. So I started thinking about military personnel that go up overseas and boom, next thing you know, some special operator now has four limbs missing and there are 36 surgeries. And by the time, you know, and, 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 and so you can't, we're sitting here talking about this. Um, it, it, it makes this sounds very innocuous, you know, if, if you're comparing. And that helps you, hey, like the thought mm-hmm. of seeing and feeling like there's others who experience something far worse than you have. I know others might feel like, oh, don't minimize what you've personally gone through. But personally, that helped you feel like, okay, this person fucking went through it. Sure. Who says I can't? fight yeah. through this battle and they've you know they're out speaking about it they're also they're living life they're enjoying they've talked about their journey of recovery so were you did you notice yourself sebastian like going through the emotions of looking people up who've gone through something such as yourself but on a- oh yeah 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 i i already had friends and 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 people i knew that had been through some really really nasty stuff way worse than what i went through uh, i never you know once the self-pitying day was done i never self-pitied again right it was it was just over but to go back to this 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 point i was making is once the self-rescue piece is done and we're now settled in a routine and everything by all means if 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 having sharing the experience with someone or having somebody that can help you frame your thoughts and it, it just it's it's an interesting it's an interesting world we live in. It's it's almost like we always tell people, you know, go get the help you need, do all this stuff. But we also, as a society, make it very unpopular for people that do it. So it's kind of a it's kind of a, a you know, the reality is this: it's a non-event. If I need to speak to someone, I speak to someone. Period. If you don't need to speak to someone, don't speak to someone. Like stop overthinking this stuff, you know? It's like if if I feel like having a conversation with someone and go get some help is beneficial, then I just do it. I don't care, you know, what the stigma is around it, if there is any or or anything like that. And yes, it's difficult, it's not easy, but it's your life. You need to control it. And so And you're speaking in terms of like sometimes seeking professional therapy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a psychologist, you know, yeah. going to a professional who could actually help yes. you reframe your thoughts for yes. the better, no matter what you're going through. And I, I, Hey man, like I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm currently in the search of finding either a therapist or psychologist for myself, but I've actually, <laughs> I've belittled my problems, you know, like, and I think I'm a perfect example of this where I've asked myself, do I need one? And it's like, well, you make a good point, man. It's like, well, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, like literally like, okay, well, your problems, you don't have to belittle them. It's just someone's going to help you solve them for one and, or give you more clarity on why you think the way you think. Sure. Trying to, trying to brainstorm with yourself doesn't work. You know, like it's really hard to brainstorm and have some input and have some, and, 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 you know, it's kind of interesting because you're, you're at that unconscious incompetence level where you don't know what you don't know. So until you've had that conversation with somebody that truly knows and has been in clinical practice for many, many years and everything, they can come up with some stuff where you're like, holy, you know, this is, uh, this is big. I want to ask you something about this and, you know, we will bring it back to, you know, your strategies you're mentioning about staying more mentally resilient, but like on the topic of seeking out others and sharing with them 
you know, how you're feeling. I don't know if you personally noticed this, but I know I have where you seek advice or you seek yourself sharing things with friends based off of what they know about you or how they, you know, understand you as a person, their feedback is very different compared to someone who may not entirely know your full story. Like for instance, I'm sure it might've, that'd be interesting for you to bring light to this Sebastian, where it's like, you know, you share this with me might be different because we've had one previous interaction that was three hours long on a podcast and we stay up to date with one another on Instagram. Okay. Well, how different is that telling a childhood friend, you know, for better or for worse, I just want to know if you felt that way where you got very different feedback from the people you spoke to, depending on the type of, you know, conversations you've had with them. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that much, you know, because I know, I know I do. I, I now need to be more careful myself about who I get advice from because they're, I recognize that they're giving me advice based off of how they know me in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that's a little bit off topic with advice perspective, but, you know, I felt mm-hmm. like I wanted to bring that up mm-hmm. based off of, you know, what you were mentioning wow. with like, you know, depending on who you share this to, like, you know, yeah. a therapist being someone who doesn't know you at all. They're just, they're just, you're, you're, you're telling them things based off of what you're telling, what you're sharing with no mm-hmm. other person involved. Them yeah, there's, no, there's no real context around that. So sometimes it can make it really challenging and it can be, it, sometimes it could be a good thing. Sometimes not having the context allows them to be more objective, whereas somebody that knows you very well, and then the opposite can also happen. So that's why it's critical to, if you are going to a therapist or if you are seeking someone that you connect with that person, it's not just a professional with a degree that has the ability to help you. It's another human being that you can connect with that just so happened to be an expert in their field. And so, you know, having the right person do the job is, is, is critical. Uh, but for me, I, I will say this, you know, I, I always hear people say, well, I don't listen to, you know, Jordan Peterson because he once said that, or I don't listen to Joe Rogan because he once said that, or I don't read this types of book because, you know, and ultimately that's acting on the premise that some, somehow, um, you either think like you, and if you don't, you're automatically not good for you, which is not the case. So one of the things that I really like to do is to listen to somebody I respect. So we'll take Jordan Peterson, for example, because I do, and I listen to him mostly. And from time to time, I'm like, nope, not buying that at all, you know? And then the rest of the time, I'm like, yep, yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. And so having that cognitive dissonance where you're able to listen or to listen or to take somebody's advice in stride takes what applies to you and discard what doesn't is a critical piece here because you're going to have all these people giving you all kinds of advice why don't you go to panama and pay 150,000 my cousin did it and whatever whatever from in my case like you know people were evidently trying to help which I'm very grateful for, but um, whether or not that's in the cards for me at this moment, based on my current situation, is is left up to me, right? And so w- w- the noise was growing louder, louder, and louder in, in a variety of different, as I was, you know, tapping people on the shoulders and that. But what I did do is take the best of what one person said and you know, yeah. adapt it and 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 use the best of what another person said and and form my own thought process with that. And it really gave me direction, you know, in terms of 
it it provided um it opened up my mind so to speak and i was able to to dive right in my own thoughts with some more clarity so the answer is this don't listen to absolutely everybody that gives you advice like as if their word was gospel uh, you know what you need to do is to be to do some critical thinking and so when people are giving you advice what you need to remember is they're doing it because they care and if they care they're going to try to give you as much and so take out of that whatever you can and move on you know and and discard what you don't want to use i wow that's man such brilliant advice and uh, again it's one of those things where for someone like me hearing that just about the whole concept of you saying discard what you don't need and keep what you felt was the best thing you got out of that. First and foremost, from a conversation perspective, I mean, how quick are we to, you know, people say this, like people will remember you by the last thing you say, right? Like imagine a comedian, same concept, right? Kills every single joke, has an incredible introduction, you know, makes people laugh, but then the last joke just kiboshes it. People go home that night and go, ah, you know what? wasn't really all that great because of that last standing impression. Right. But I mean, really, you got to look at it like, okay, well, what was, what was the funniest joke he made? What was this one? It's like, Oh, he's not that bad. He's actually a good comedian. But I mean, you know, even for me, the biggest thing I got out of that man is like, I take people's advice to heart to the point that once one person's advice is different from another, it confuses me. Mm-hmm. And I think that just resonates with us recognizing like, Take everything with a grain of salt and recognize that it's your life. No matter what decision you choose, you're not going to let someone else down if it's the complete opposite of what you chose because you're living your own life and you deserve to make your own decisions based off how you choose to live it. Here's here's the analogy that I like to make. Like, Imagine you want to write a book. Okay, You want to write a book and you have your first draft and you take your first draft and you send it to seven editors instead of one. Okay, so what happens here is you have different writing styles, different experiences, different different knowledge of who you are, different all this good stuff. So now what you're going to get is seven different sets of advice on how to continue with your book. And you'll essentially never go anywhere. Whereas if you have one person that you trust review review it, then you take it and it may not be perfect, it may be imperfect, but it's kind of a, a case of a perfect plan uh, or a decent plan now is better than the perfect plan never because that's what would happen right like and i modify the saying here but um but it essentially what would happen is like how am i ever going to write this book if every time i send it for editing it 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 I, I change it to accommodate this person and then it goes to this editor and then this editor says that this is no good and then i have to redo all of this and it just doesn't make sense at all. Like we would never do that. And so why do we do that with our advice taking, you know? Isn't that scary? Because then it makes mm-hmm. someone go like, holy shit, I chose something that had nothing to do with what I wanted to do in the first place. If it changed mm-hmm. that much. Imagine mm-hmm. re- rereading your book again and be like, it's a completely different story. Oh, totally. I- totally. So then, what, so then what ends up happening inherently is you actually lose yourself in this whole process. And that can happen. Like that can happen. You know, people, there's so much out, outward pressure. There's so much family pressure. There's so much peer pressure. That a lot of people feel like they no longer make the right, the decisions that are right for them based on their totality of their own circumstances. It's actually, it's actually quite common. It's not uncommon. It's very common. When, when would one know speak it in broad terms or even bringing it back specifically 
to what you're doing is like, when does one know that they're ready to make that decision after seeking that advice and talking to enough people? Or let's just say, hey, you know what? I had enough sessions with a professional about where to navigate my career through career counseling or where to navigate my relationships or who I am in this world. You know, like, again, it's possibly different for everyone. And I know we might bring this back to what stage you're at with everything you're going through, but I know there's this general stage of acceptance that we all end up getting into, whether it's accepting our current reality or accepting a transition, but you know, where would you navigate that? This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. I don't know, like, when I, when I make a decision on where I'm going to go with a certain process, the baseline is always where I'm at today and where I'm going to be tomorrow, you know, based on what happens in between. Um, it's not that I am living in the future because I'm not. But when I reassess, you know, three weeks, a month or two months from now, and my reality is, was impacted positively by whatever call I made. Now the question becomes, is there a way for me to make it even better? Or am I, have I done enough that I can actually carry on on my own? I guess ultimately what happens is if you're, you know, say seeing a psychologist, for example, and you are paying over and over i mean they will keep you for your entire life to go off gas right but is that conducive to your safe fiscal well-being or whatever right so you you're, you'll have to make that decision and that determination how much benefit what is the cost to benefit ratio and i'm, I'm not i'm not talking just financially here what what is the cost to benefit ratio of a certain course of action right now and do i actually need this right now and if i don't is there a way for me to mitigate the you know the lack of having it and can i pursue happiness without whatever it is that i'm you know um that i was using to help myself out so it, it's it's ultimately emotions and it's ultimately a feeling like how how do you feel and and in order for you to have the ability to be accurate with how you feel you need to be connected with your your emotional self and that's not given to everybody some people will be very cerebral around certain things and other people won't be able to disconnect from their emotions at all. So you have to have that, that right balance to understand, but that's, yeah. Wow. No, that makes complete sense, man. And when you look at accepting one's reality right now and, and, and you being in your own, are you currently in this phase you just spoke of, or are you past it? In terms of like, like assessing you know, when you're looking at things today and tomorrow and, you know, we bring it back to this cycle of, you know, you originally feeling like, Hey, you know what? Embrace the suck, right? Like what you go through, don't diminish it. You know, don't overhype it. Just be in the moment and recognize that what you're going through right now sucks and, and you don't deserve to be in it. 
Okay, accept those emotions. Then the next thing, you know, you were mentioning that it's important to share how you feel, right? At the end of the day, like express how you truly feel, whether it's through journaling, sharing on social media, talking to loved ones or professionals about how that's going. And then now, if we call it anything, is just really being in the moment and present. I, I find all three of these things can constantly repeat in, in vicious cycles. But, um, you know, what may, what, where would you say you're at now, given the fact that you shared those three steps? Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure if I, and maybe it's just me um, over and analyzing it here. I'm not sure if I if I grasp like the the the, the gist of the question. No, no, that's fair. That's just yeah. me being very analytical with like. Yeah, sure. No, I, like steps, but I can do right? that too. So I'm kind of like. I feel like you know more so what I'm trying to get at, man, is like outside of what you shared with those three steps. Is there anything that you felt you've personally? Um, you know, have done or are currently doing. Oh, I see. Okay. I got you now. Yeah. You know, I got you. Sorry. I'm a little slow. No, but, no, uh, that's fine. Man. That's fine. Um, I mean, you can obviously also be like, Hey man, like it's, it's not rocket science. It's the three things I mentioned and, you know, just consistently stay in the moment. Right. So I, I appreciate the honesty. Well, yeah, no, I would say, I would say for me, um, I retired after 20 years in the RCMP so that I can do meaningful things with meaningful people. I, not that I didn't before, but all the things that I want to do, not the things that I have to do. And, and yeah, amongst the things that I want to do, I'm going to have to do the things that I have to do, but because I'm doing them on account of the things that I want to do, it still make it worth it. Like it makes it worth it. Right. And so for me, one of the ways that I, dealt with my my current predicament and you know just the annoyance of it all and everything has been to keep myself busy working some projects projects that i'm passionate about projects that maybe somebody approached me on and i said you know what sounds great i'm in or uh, this professional endeavor you know i we need you to contract for this and this and this i'm like actually that sounds great i'm doing it so i went overseas you know like a couple of weeks ago all this stuff um, I, I have, I have kept myself, myself busy with various projects that I'm truly passionate about. And I go from one to the other and I just seamless, seamlessly, right? Like it, it's, it's kind of like, I'm doing a little bit of work on my professional, on my business side with my company, Raven strategic. Then I'm, you know, working on the book that myself and Sean Taylor are working on right now. And then, then I, I go out and I start talking to a friend of mine who does FX makeup and work on a freaking zombie shoot. You know, like, why would I be, why would I be doing a zombie shoot? Because I want to. Sounds awesome. You know, like, so those are some of the things. Well, life doesn't are, stop. I, like, that's what I love about what you're sharing is like, okay, months later after what one would expect you to do, which is no, no, Sebastian, rest, stay home. You know, like, why are you moving your body so much? It's like, so you expect me to just be a vegetable right now? You know, no matter what I'm going through, whether that's the best course of action or not to do is like, thank you for sharing that. I've got a friend of mine, man, like God bless his soul. He fights through so much physical pain through his brain feeling like it's like shifted completely 180 degrees because of his tragic car accident he got in. But then people wonder, 
you know, how is he doing photography? How is he professionally able to like do that? It's like, well, cause it's keeping his mind off what he fights through physically and mentally every single day. And he has so much joy in what he does. So I appreciate you sharing these things. Cause there's so many people that look at others in these situations and go, why are you like out and about? Like, shouldn't you be resting? And it's like, yeah, if I rest any longer, which I've been doing for hours on end, I I prefer to off myself at that point. Cause that, that reminds me of me. Last thing I want to do is just sit and do nothing, especially if I'm in, if I'm in that state. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, like, you know, people are really quick to give uh, advice on certain things and look no further than having a kid. You know, I've, I got two girls, they're 15 and 13 now, but when they were babies, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Don't sleep with them. Don't sleep with them. Don't, don't, don't let them watch um, movies on, on the iPad. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. And it's, it, and you get to a certain point where say, as an example, um, you are pushing the, the verge of, ex, of complete exertion because you have to get up because your your kid specifically has colics or problems with their stomach or whatever. So now you're consistently going to the room all night, you know, you and, and the spouse doing this and none of you is getting any sleep. And then eventually you have that sleepover and you're like, oh my God, this was miraculous. Turn over, feed them. They go back to sleep. We sleep for, you know, and so it's easy to stay there and say, oh, that's really dangerous. And that's this and that's that and all these other things. But there is a cost to not doing it if the circumstances are such that, you know, and so it's all about a risk assessment, right? And and risk assessment is extremely individual. And one little variable changes everything. It's that simple, right? Take the exact same scenario, except daddy tends to wake up, you know, sideways in bed. Well, okay, so that's a person that moves a lot during sleep. Well, is that increasing the risk of, you know, and so and so those things are all considerations. And and I'm not, this is just an example. Like I'm not suggesting a course of action or not. I'm I'm simply saying that everybody is really quick to give all kinds of advice until they're faced with a set of circumstances that that essentially paint them in a corner and force them to make decisions that 99% of the time may not be the right call but because of the totality of the circumstances actually is. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good point, man. And that, that, that brings up, it, 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 it makes me want to like bring up the fact that, you know, we all know our body better than anybody else does, right? Like if we feel good to get up and go walk in the, in the sun and smell the roses and we're told to rest. Okay. Well, if we stand up for a second and we do so, and Hey, maybe we have assistance. Maybe if we have someone that like, Maybe in five, 10 minutes after we do so, we're in excruciating pain and then we've been told to rest. Okay, we have a buddy that can pick us up and we could go back and do that. But uh, you make a good point to just like trust your own instincts. And you brought up those great family examples, man, because yeah, it's true. I can't, I've been guilty of it. I literally feel bad. I went to my cousin the other day and I <laughs> I felt so guilty even saying this because you made a good point where I said, oh, like, you know, maybe like, you know, eventually with your one-year-old daughter, like my niece, I was like, you know, I noticed like, you're never afraid to leave her alone. I was like, are you ever going to feel like you're going to be able to like, leave her on her own or like, eventually know that she's going to independently not have to feel like she's going to rely on you. And she just said, like, very kindly, she's like, Kenny, I, you know, I, I know right now, these are precious years is 
when she's a baby where I can be right by her side. And eventually I'll know I'll have to do that, but I'm going to enjoy these precious years while they last. But I mean, it's crazy how much we force our own opinion on a situation that we have no, no idea about, but we think what reality says, or sorry, not reality, but what like society says, you know, oh, society says this is the way to go. So do it like this, but you make a good point, man. Every single person's situation is so unique. Right, based off their beliefs, their values, their life experiences. Right, you might personally, through the act of being a just two black belt, might just generally want to move way more than someone else does, mm-hmm. going through what they did, similar to you. You know, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm a black belt because I like to move. That's a that's a you know a chicken and the egg type uh, type dilemma. But um, you, you know, I think ultimately, when it comes down to, and regardless of. If, if, if the people are very close to us and are giving us their best informed advice, obviously they care, you know, and ultimately that's what I get out of that, right? Like, so if you, if you said this to me and we were, we're, we're that close where you're telling me about my kid and, and whatever, um, I may or may not listen to the advice itself, but understand that the person is caring is, is all that matters. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. and so it, it, look, wow. like, it, um, but, but anyways, it, it's, it's kind of, you can still cipher through the information and you can still take what applies to you, but just know that everybody has an opinion. That's a great point, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really want to bring up this sense of, you know, chaos or evil mm-hmm. or this negative energy in which one might carry with them when they go through something that they know they didn't deserve to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is a, a topic of interest that you uh, really wanted to share. And, and I wanted you to lead this one, Sebastian, where, you know, you, you mentioned you didn't want to bring it up. Um, why don't you guide us through, you know, what components of evil you want to mention that we haven't talked about yet? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, um, you know, it, it depends. I mean, are we talking about evil in the biblical sense or we're talking about the lack of empathy? Yeah. Or talking about- I'll, I'll be honest. It's just based off of something that you wanted to share on the show that I know um, you mentioned very um, close to, to us airing this. And mm-hmm. I know we didn't get too much of time prior to, to really go in depth of what aspects you want to speak on it of. So yeah. you tell me, man, I'll keep it very open for you to kind of share um, you know, what sense it is, whether it's biblical or, or on other ends, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, if maybe I've read the word wrong, but I, I believe in the text message, you were resorting to some element of evil that you wanted yeah. to bring up on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's kind of jotted my memory a bit here, just as yeah. my note would in court, but, uh, uh, so, uh, I believe it's today or, t- or yesterday or today, um, it was the, I I'd seen a post about, Constable uh, Dennis Strongwill that was killed, I believe, in 2003. He is uh, essentially gunned down, uh, pursued, pursued, and got gunned down by somebody that shall rename shall shall uh, remain nameless. But um, and he was obviously uh, killed in action uh, on that day. Uh, tragic, tragic loss. But um, one of the things that had me thinking about evil is the the complexity of understanding that evil does exist. And I'm talking, I'm not talking necessarily on the biblical sense. I'm talking 
the lack of empathy and the lack of care for fellow humans, humans' life and the ability to take it and a variety of other um, psychological ailment that might feed into this. And, and of course, um, without going down the road of the mental illness side proper, because that's a completely different ball game. Now we don't want to mix, mix those things. I'm talking about like rational decision-making, like this is what I like to do. And those are the reasons why I like to do them. And so this is based off of someone actually having a choice. Exactly. Consciously aware of knowing what exactly. you're making in that process. Right. Mm -hmm. And that specifically came to bear because I was reading an article and I'd, I'd read that many times over as I was training police officers through use of force programs uh, during my time in the RCMP. And one of the things that was clear and evident is that uh, Constable Strongwill's killer was had given a very vivid account during a, a post-arrest interview or statement, warrant statement, um, where he, he'd explain a little bit of how his mentality was and um, how the first time he had seen Constable Strongwill sort of on the autopsy table and everything, he had felt bad for him. And then he remembered what he, Constable Strongwill represented, which was the RCMP, which, which was the government, which was. And so he basically said, like, look, there's a war going on out there. And if you put your flag up, you're you're at war. You're you're fair game, so to speak. And so, for me, what it creates is how do you train your police officers and your first responders to go out and do the work without having that mentality where I'm at war right now. You know, I am at war. I'm at war with these people that are trying to hurt me everywhere because there's such an infinitesimal amount of people that will ever go down that route. Now you are dealing with how does that impact your ability to conduct your, you know, do your 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 duties without being affected by this and without letting your without letting the possibility of really interfere with your ability to connect with regular humans and people that you should definitely be able to connect with. And so I was trying to find a solution to this. How do you train how do you train your 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 officers or your first responders to be ready for evil but to have that compassion, to have that that ability to connect with people and and do all those things and keep those in balance. Well you're teaching them how to flip the switch. You know, how can you get this person to go out there in their uniform and you can and represent their flag and be prepared to know and feel like, you know, depending on the severity of crimes they face and who mm -hmm. they're going to be in front of that. OK, let, let's go out. Let's let's be ready to go to war, quote unquote. Let's come mm -hmm. back home. Let's kiss the wife and and hug the kids and be jolly all over again. That's mm -hmm. that's a very different ballgame. Right? Sure it is. And one of the things that I came up with over a treatment I was at for a couple hours where I had a, quite a bit of time to just sit there and 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 contemplate um, the prospect is that your prepar your 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 preparation for conflict, your ability to handle conflict, your ability, your abilities to perform the tasks that you need to be performed are unimpeded by your projection of. I'm a lion. You know what I mean? Like I am a lion. I have to let everybody know I'm a lion. But if I'm, but if I'm a lion and I don't 
let everybody know I'm a lion, I'm still a lion. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the same with this and the way I see it is it has to be a little bit more process-based. So essentially, you're giving these people all the skills that they can possibly want, right? And more. And let them really develop those skills to until excellence is reached. So I'll give you an example of this, a total segue. But imagine um, having a mechanical arm go somewhere in a crowd at, a, say, an, an event, like a mixed martial art event like UFC, for example. And take one of the person that's booing and, and doing all this stuff um, out and put him right in the middle of the cage. I don't care how evil that person is. They're not winning. It's just not. Right. So provided they're not armed, they're not using deadly force, they're not winning. Right. They most likely don't know how so, to fight. <laughs> so a hundred percent, they don't have the discipline to put the time in the gym. They don't have the conditioning. They don't have the mental fortitude. They don't everything. The outside elements are they're just your typical. MMA fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so the idea is you know, get giving the skills that are required so that when something happens and evil really is either an emotional state. So the person is in such an emotional state that they are not thinking straight and they're inherently evil or the lack of emotions. There's no emotions and lack of emotion is an emotion. A lot of people don't know that, but it is. And this is coming from people that are way smarter than me. But if we were to train our people, we can tell them like, look, be compassionate, try to connect with people, do all this good stuff, but stick to the plan. Keep your tactics safe. Do keep your distance. You know, when you are chatting with people, it doesn't matter. Uh, You form an angle. If you can have your backup come in, even if you think that nothing's going on, but there's nothing else going on. So why not bring it, do all those things and take all the steps necessary to be able to handle a quick, unlikely turn of event right? And having the ability to, you know, deal with physical violence and having the skills to do it and all this good stuff is way better than the hope. Hope is not, is a failed strategy. So to say, okay, well, I'll be ready for evil when evil comes, because I'll just do whatever it takes. Just, it's a failed strategy. It's not going to work. Absolutely right. Because how do you, 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 you've prepared to be so used to going about your job without facing it once ever but if you go in with the mentality that you mentioned where you're constantly going into disengage not engage constantly going to disengage to recognize that your duty of service is to make sure that you're safe to go back home and everyone else is around you and if that's really what you're getting at here yeah i mean ultimately what i'm saying is we we need we need to we really need to fight this evil and i it's 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 a strong word but we need to fight this with professionalism is the key right well i think that's and what's so, going to keep our officers alive at the end of the day absolutely because i mean i i again i know it's going to go to a whole other conversation about ego potential ego an officer has or yeah. needing to save this person by taking out their gun and engaging or or even gun aside engaging to physical um aggression Um, you know, but I really resonate with what you're saying when it comes down to like one of the most, I think one of the best officers is one that could say they've never had to conflict harm on another individual and vice versa. 
to yeah, the- I mean, it all, it, it all depends. I mean, if they're solely responsible for that fact, so they were able to de-escalate absolutely every call they've ever yeah, been yeah. on, no, then, I want, that very then, then right. I want to meet them. Not one that avoids <laughs> and like goes, ah, and then ends up having eight casualties in front of them, right? Yeah, so- yeah. No, no, for sure. But I mean, you're correct in that yeah. in that um, having the ability to connect with with humans and having the ability to remain professional, and but still without having that endless need and insecurities that lead to posturing consistently um, is, is the key, right? Like there is no need to posture, just, just be a professional. Right. Like, and so it, it was, and I, and I, I admit, and I, and I, you know, at the time I was, I was engaged in this thought process. It, it sounded like Listen. something that it sounded like something that we wanted to uh, discuss. Right. But yeah, no, Absolutely. You, you, you make you make a good point, man. You make a good point. I was just grabbing my uh, phone to make sure that you're on time. Possibly have more time here with. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we absolutely do. Perfect. Okay. Cool. We absolutely do. Awesome. Um, are you so good for time? I had a yeah. seven forty-five client, but um, it is the era of cancellations in the personal training world due to Christmas. So I still have another at least 15, 20 minutes if you want to keep shaking it up. Give me two seconds here. Yeah, yeah, no problem. The, you know, while you're doing that, I just want to share that this just goes back to if I could create any, um, let's say, theme attached to what you just shared about evil with what we said before is like really understand your own self talk you have going into situations that are going to lead to your existence. Do you know what I mean? Like you just talked about someone, anyone, not just officers who go into situations that can heavily change the overall direction of what the future will hold. That could be tomorrow. Are you injured or tomorrow? Do you still have a job based off of what you say or what you do? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it just goes back to, again, like really, I find being comfortable with yourself, you know, because let's be honest, man, not everyone can do what you do right now with like being able to have this much confidence. And I really want us to be able to like bring to light that like this podcast was a lot about like what goes on through your mind and how you have processed things that you've gone through. And let's be honest, you brought up a good point. You've gone through so much shit in life that Again, not to belittle what you're going through, but you're looking at this like, all right, this is another fucking challenge. Bring it on, God. Like, let, let's go, right? Um, but I also want people to respectfully understand that you, you, you have to know whatever it is that makes you who you are and whatever your strengths are, let that come into play with how you navigate um, your life and how you go through shit, for lack of a better term. Like, you know, it's all not sunshine and rainbows. Everyone has problems and, and some far bigger than others, but not to belittle anyone else's. If anyone can like anyone, whether it's a mental illness or mental health or a, a physical injury or anything in between, like I bet you if someone just got fired and they listen to this, they're going to find value. I bet you if someone is navigating a career change, they're going to find value in this conversation. But I think that's what's so unique about what you shared today, man. And I just really want to make sure uh, you recognize just like how special it is um, with with the mentality you have. You know, I talked to I've talked to over 120 people on the show, 
if any one of them even went through what you did, I bet you would be a very different outcome. And it just goes to show, man, that like, you're one of the toughest, badass fucking people I know, man. <laughs> like, let's that's let's funny. just honor that. I, I, that's I that's aging that. badass. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like, oh man, I'm a retired badass. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of it's a it's an interesting con- concept. Like this whole concept of resilience in in that <laughs> the way what I like to what I like to tell people is you you have two choices. You you either have a hard life. And it makes it easier later, or you have it easy, and it makes it harder later. But there's no there's no escaping it. It will be hard at one point or another. So if you if you you know were fortunate enough that you, none of this was really a factor as you were growing up, that's cool, and that's but that just know that at some point you're going to be faced with something that you're unprepared for. Whereas the the opposite is also true. So okay, so that's cool. You have the ability to deal with hardship and adversity, but there was a cost to that, which was your childhood or this or that, this, this event or that event. So, um, but ultimately it's not a make or break it. You, you can also get it from perspective, from outside perspective, and there's all kinds of other ways to, 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 to achieve that. So, um, ultimately we need to cut ourselves some freaking slack, man. Like I just, I just find, in a in the book, just I can share a little bit on that. But in the book that Sean Taylor and I are working on, one of the chapters is called "Relax." We're all crazy, you know, and it's and it's so interesting because it's almost like everybody else has it together, but me, which is absolutely not the case. Like we're flying around the universe on a ball of water. Does that make any sense? You know, and why are we here for it? And what is the purpose of this? And 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 what are the chances of it? And why did it happen? And why are we where we are? And all those existential questions that are ultimately leading to one thing: none of us knows what the hell's going on. Mm. And so, stop, you know, self-deprecating and 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 causing harm to yourself and 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 assault yourself with all kinds of thoughts, because anybody else and everybody else is in the same boat and what you see from people on social media what you see from people even even in person is what they want you to see great you know and so um tying it into that for me was perhaps in in having the the therapeutic process of getting the injury out and having the conversations about my mindset and all these other things one of the things that i was after was to to actually show like this is an area where there's vulnerability there and i don't care it doesn't make me less of a lion trust me you know but i will share the vulnerable moments or the difficult moments or or whatever and i and 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 that was critical and one of the feedback that i got over and over again and how does this not bother you, you know, like to put this out there? And I'm like, what are we insecure about here? You know, but it ties right into what we were talking about earlier. Go get some help if you need some help, but I can't show vulnerability. If I, if I can't show vulnerability, then it negates the option of getting help if I need it. Whereas if you don't care and, and you are who you are and it, and you understand that it does not take away from who you can be, you know, if that's a thing, you know, like if it's a thing for you to be, say, a dangerous man, you know, somebody that can really handle business, it doesn't take away the fact that 
you may need some help and you can get the help. It doesn't make you any less dangerous, you know, if that's even a thing. And I mean, I would be focused more on trying to be smarter than dangerous, but having the good balance is good. Man, I love that you shared that because especially with that last point you made that there's, there's no way in hell anyone can say they did everything on their own. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of people just stay like, you know, back to your point where like, yeah, we're all a little crazy, but I think what is so beautiful about saying that relax, we're all crazy is we only know that by communicating with one another and recognizing that we don't walk on this earth alone. Mm -hmm. We're not put, you know, we're put on this world. We're put in this world actually with someone and another person for the most part being involved in bringing you into this world willingly. You know, like you sure enough, you know, when you recognize that you start to appreciate the value of community so much. And that's why with everything that you said, like, you can't just argue that you become who you are without the people in your life who you've been able to lean on, get advice from, and actually like validate your thought process. You know what I mean? And man, once that book comes out, whoo. I would love a signed copy. That's going to be oh, epic, man. You know, you know, I'll be, I'll be coming over to Alberta. <laughs> yeah, and I know we you actually, met. you get a copy. You get a copy. <laughs> yeah. Everybody hey, gets man, a copy. We'll, we'll do a second floor, you I'll know, turn into uh, Oprah. signed viewing party and I can finally uh -huh. meet uh, you in person. But I think that just goes to show, man, we're speaking of character and how you carry yourself. Like we've only met each other virtually twice, but every time you speak and I connect with you, man, it's like, it's like you're right here in the room with me. And, uh, Trust me when I say this. I don't say that to every virtual podcast guest. We'll know? find out because I'll go back and watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it doesn't get deleted this yeah. time. <laughs> oh, exactly, man. But uh, on that note, man, I just would love for us to, you know, end on a high note and have you share, um, you know, just any way we can support you. Like with our second floor family and listeners who are listening, like, what you're going through, I can't imagine the financial repercussions that you've had to go through. And, you know, you did mention um, prior to us going on air that there's a GoFundMe. I don't know if it's still live, where we can financially support you or follow you or do anything to just continuously support um, you and uh, everything that you're doing. Yeah, no, they, you know, um, no, like the, the GoFundMe and, and people stepped up massively and I've received a ton of help. Um, and I, I don't need any financial help right now. I, you know, my, I do the business thing and I do the things and, and I have the GoFundMe administered to my various recovery processes. And, and that's been an incredible, an incredible um, part of this entire process. And I, you know, can't thank everybody enough for that. Um, I, I, you know, I needed a, a, a substantial bailout uh, in terms of having made the professional decision I had made and at the time at which I made it and when this came about, I mean, I wasn't, um, it would have been, it would have been extremely, it would have been extremely difficult. So no, uh, there is no need to send, send money or anything like that. Um, I would say once the book comes out, if, if people are interested in, uh, the pursuit of excellence as it pertains to 360 degree in your life. So that's, you know, there is essentially the premise is like there is a cost to high performance and we can mitigate the price that we pay to get to the top 
of the mountain in whatever field of endeavor we want to go to. And so we have incredible humans like Sean Taylor that's joined me on that project. Um, Sean was a pathfinder in the Canadian forces, which is one of the hardest things you can possibly achieve. He was a second commando. Then he went to uh, special operation with JTF2. He spent some time there, and that's where he retired from uh, from JTF2. But again, after that, he started t- coaching athletes and made multiple world champs. Uh, just an amazing, amazing human, and 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 with an an incredible ability to communicate um, effectively. You know some super critical concepts. So it's going to be awesome. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take time for us to really, because what we want to do is we want to make it better than what we envision, if that makes any sense, you know? So, so we, we really want to, we really want to put the time in, but when that happens, of course, there is going to be platforms such, such as yours and all the other ones. Well, we'll be coming back the third run then. Yeah, for awesome. sure. Third run. But, and uh, do we have yeah. a date expected of when this book is launching? It's I'm actually o- cool because I think last podcast, you were just sharing the idea of starting it, right? Sure. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So I'm hoping my hope is not a plan, but in knowing exactly the work that I'm willing to put in, I'm hoping for nine months that we can, nine months would be really fast based on the just be careful not to give it to seven different um publishers man be careful with this book to be the same yeah. level of authenticity you're putting into it now right yeah i'm sure it won't even take one who will know we are uh, excited to keep you i think i think we're looking at self-publishing anyway so those are all options that we're going to need to weigh in nice. um as time goes on but uh i can tell you one thing in terms of canadian content and in in terms of having what we are going to offer um yeah it's going to be really 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 hard to match so i'm hoping that it really helps the collective you know in a unquantifiable way so to speak so that's awesome man well you know what if there's anything else you'd like to share man i feel like our listeners including myself have generated an even deeper understanding of just being more, you know, rest assured, aware of what we're going through, not downgrading it in any way, accepting, you know, uh, the, the trials and tribulations of life and being able to navigate how we can seek support and where we can get it from. And then I love that you said this, man, because it's such a reminder of my own life where I'm constantly thinking of dates ahead. But in reality, if I just focus on what I can control today and tomorrow, that's what's going to eventually lead me to actually feeling and being successful and just human in whatever I choose. So I always make sure in these episodes, man, when I'm speaking with my guests, including yourself, that like, I don't feel like my listeners get any value if I don't, but uh, time and time again, man, when I speak with you, I always, I always learn a thing or two, some gems carry on my journey forward. So I appreciate everything that you said, man. And uh, I just want to know if there's any last words you'd like to share um, outside of sharing with us, um, you know, where we can follow you, you know, for any new listeners that are coming on and, you know, they're going to be searching where that first episode is, (laughs) Um, you know, just do know that, you know, this would be the best way to get to know Sebastian and, and where can we follow you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So no, I don't have anything to add. I think we've we've gone full circle. And I mean, we can always speak and that's cool, but ultimately <laughs> yeah. everybody else is sleeping. So um, I don't want to I want to put anybody to sleep. Um, and so my my Instagram, my personal Instagram is probably the best way to, to reach me. And that's and I'm assuming you'll put it down in the uh, in the comments or whatnot. But the link, um, it's basically S L A V C C M D R. So Slav Cobra Commander, and no, it doesn't say Slave Commanders, as people have suggested. Uh, it's simply my first and last name and my nickname on the emergency response team, which some of the guys um, affectionately, affectionately or not, called me <laughs> called me Cobra Commander. So uh, that's where my um, handle, you know, was selected. But yeah, S L A V C C M D R, and uh, and I I. I try to post mostly meaningful things. I try to be real. I don't try to be real. I am real, uh, but I try not to vet so much uh, the things that don't make me look like a superstar. I don't have a superstar uh, gene in me. I, I, I never was one. I really worked. I really worked real hard for everything. So, but I definitely like to bring people along uh, for the journey. If if they're interested, and try to keep the engagement as high as I can, and uh, and yeah, give back. That's kind of where I. That's kind of what the plan is. Definitely, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing, man. I'm sure a lot of our, you know, listeners are going to continue to follow your journey. And and this goes without saying. I hope nothing but the best in your recovery, and um, you know, in the state, and wish uh, you feel fully operational. And I'm just so happy, man, that you know, if we count our blessings. The fact that, you know, you're still able to walk and, and do things that you love, you know, and uh, that, that was actually news to me. I wasn't fully aware that you're able to do all of that. And I know that you're on this uh, huge quest of continuously sharing your story on other podcasts. So if anyone out there is a fellow podcaster or in any way, shape or form a part of media, like let's continue to get the awareness out of, um, you know, Sergeant Sebastian's book coming out soon here and just what he's gone through, because I'm sure if many people listen to this, they're going to be able to feel a lot more mentally resilient. So thank you so much for your time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers, man. That's a wrap.